Most of us in healthcare are warm, caring people who are committed to keeping our patients safe and doing no harm. But there are some among us who do the unthinkable and betray our noble profession. On this podcast, we like to shine a light on the good and the bad. Each week, I'll be joined by another healthcare professional, and together we'll dive into these stories while chatting about nursing and healthcare along the way. I'm Tina, a registered nurse, and this is Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. This is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. Welcome back to another episode of Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, where we talk about a true crime story and we infuse a little nursing, healthcare along the way. And then, of course, we like to end with a a good nurse story where we can kind of end on a a nice light note and not have all that ugly darkness in it. What I always like to say is we like to shine a light in the darkness and talk about the bad things that happen and not pretend like bad things don't happen, especially in our profession where we need to be aware and diligent at all times. This week for my guest host, I am so excited to have a longtime friend of the podcast and friend of myself, Kevin with Art of Emergency Nursing Podcast. Hello, Kevin. Welcome back. Hey, Tina, thanks so much for having me on. I'm super excited to be on again. It's been a long time since we've done that, since I've had the opportunity to be on your podcast. So I appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's been too long. And I, I gotta, we gotta do better because this, it's, it shouldn't be this long. We've got to, we definitely have to try to get together a little bit more frequently. 100%. But some, there's been some pretty major changes for you since we met last, which some really exciting things for you. And I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. I wanted to almost talk about it on this podcast, but then we decided let's do another show because, and I'm not going to reveal what it is, but man, some really, really, really exciting news about something that's going on in your life, a huge accolade that you've been able to achieve. And I, I want to talk about that on a future episode. It would be an honor to, to talk about it, and it's such a cool thing. So we'll definitely set up another time and do another podcast and talk about that because it's it's cool and and it fits right into your po- to the podcast. So it fits perfectly, and it also I love opportunities to kind of educate our listeners about things that nurses can do to advance their career, and this is a kind of almost like a. I won't say little known thing. I think there are a lot of people that know, but there are also a lot of nurses, I think, that don't know about it. So, so excited to get to record the next episode. But for this one, we have a great show planned. I, the good nurse story, I was already, I already decided before I've got to figure out a way to galvanize myself because it's the good nurse story. It's so sweet. You guys, it's it's going to be great. It's going to be a, kind of a tearjerker for me just because it's just precious. It, oh my gosh, it brings out, it just makes me think of like the best nurses in the whole world. I just, that's what warms my heart when I see stories like this about these amazing people that I wor- have worked alongside in hospitals that I know are out there in the trenches doing such amazing jobs and going the extra mile. And man, I'm just so proud of people when I read these stories. I love it. That's one of the cool, one of the things I love about your podcast is that you, you feature those amazing nurses who are doing amazing things and, and they really, we don't get enough of that in society. So it's a great, 
great thing to be able to do. So, yeah, absolutely. I I love talking about it. I love honoring them and have every chance I can to shout it from the rooftops, all the amazing things that nurses do. But unfortunately, there are other things that, that people too. in healthcare do. And, it, and we don't just pick on nurses. We we shine a light in the darkness for all the types of people in healthcare. And today's story actually involves a physical therapist. I work with a lot of physical therapists when I was working at the hospital at the bedside. And one thing that I learned very quickly was how incredibly important and integral the, the physical therapists are in the hospital, in that acute care setting to, to get those patients out of that bed, to assess them for whether or not they're ready to go home or they, do they need to be in rehab. Or when I was a brand new nurse, I remember thinking, no, you can't get them out of the bed. This is crazy. Like, and they were just like, we're getting them out of the bed. And I, I, I was flabbergasted, like, no way. This patient's like a gunshot wound. Their jaws are wired shut, like all this craziness. And they're just like, nope. What's best for them is to get them out of that bed. Mobility. Mobility is the key. Yeah. My wife had a, as you know, my wife had a lung transplant. And within yeah, hours of her getting extubated, they're like, okay, we got to go walk. And they're like, <laughs> intubated or not, you're, you're going to be walking yeah. after after surgery. You're going to be out there walking. And, and they showed yep. her a video of her being mobile, or they, uh, not her being mobile, but someone being mobile even with the intubation tube in, and you're just mm-hmm. like, to me, that was crazy, but it was, it was one of those I know. mobility is the key. It's the key to getting to go home. So, so physical therapists are crucial to the healthcare. Yeah, it's a key to combating uh, delirium as well. ICU delirium, when when patients are on a ventilator for ex- extended period of time, and they're, especially if they're over sedated and it, it just can be become a long, like way after they're out of the hospital. They have all of these PTSD issues to have to deal with because of being on that ventilator. But if you get them up out of the bed, walk them up and down the hall, and <laughs> nurses, nurses are just like, are you kidding me? We don't have enough help to take care of the patients, like just to do the things we're doing now. You want us to get ventilated patients up out of the bed? It sounds impossible. We need more help. We need more help. I'm not. I, I would. I would never say that the state that our healthcare system is in right now, and the way that meant not all, but, but many hospitals, the state that they're in right now, that they, that this would even be a possibility for for a lot of people. But it's what's best for the patient. I'll say that it definitely is. Absolutely, for sure. For sure. Did you know that you don't have to go all across the country to be a travel nurse? You certainly can, but you don't have to. I literally took an assignment that's an hour and a half away from my house, and I love it. I can stay in a hotel room if I want, or I can drive back home. So it's the best of both worlds for me. For my next assignment, we're going to get a cabin in the mountains that's about two hours from our house. So it'll really be like a little getaway. Also, one of my really good friends is going with me so we can share expenses. You guys, even if you're just a little curious about travel nursing, go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile so you can see what kind of jobs are out there and what they pay. Go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile. 
Are you looking to take your career to the next level? Consider enrolling in the Doctor of Nursing Practice Program at UC Irvine. The program offers a post-master's track for MSN-prepared nurses and a family nurse practitioner track for those with at least a BSN. Their program, of course, is fully accredited, and their graduates are highly sought after by healthcare organizations across the country. If you're ready to take the next step in your nursing career, I encourage you to explore UCI Irvine's DNP program today. Visit nursing.uci.edu to learn more, and of course, we'll put a link on our website and you can access it at goodnursebadnurse.com. So I guess we can get started with this this uh, bad physical therapist story. Uh, we're going to start out talking about the, the victim, Milton Sawyer Jr. He was affectionately known as Little Mink, and he had a fondness for collectibles that really inspired him to open his own antique and collectible store called Treasure Hunter. I think that's amazing. Someone who from a very young age loved you know, loved antiques, loved, you know, just finding something old. And I've always been fascinated, you know, by things like that. Oh, my goodness, look at this. We were just at um, the Carm thrift store today. I love going in there because all the money goes to help the mission. So I love to go in there and buy stuff because I know, I know how, what a wonderful organization it is. It's the Knox Area Rescue Ministry. And we were just in there today. And I picked up a set of cards that looked like they were like 50 years old. And it, I'm like, look at this. This is great. They're all in here. And I'm, that's just me. So I kind of feel like I kind of I feel where, where Milton's coming from, you know. So he loved it so much. He opened up his own store. How amazing is that? Is that that he, as an adult, was able to almost live out like a childhood dream? That's cool. I think that's cool. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, he, he he'd had a little bit of a rough adult life, I guess. I mean, in 2011, he was divorced. He had uh, three young children. He met a woman by the name of Angel Kissinger, who she was a mom of her children at the same school that his children went to. So they sort of met through that, I guess, both picking up kids at the same time or going to various little school functions together. And so Angel had four children of her own and was in the process of separating from her husband. Milton and Angel bonded over the challenges of raising children as single parents. And then as soon as Angel's divorce was finalized, she and Milton began dating. A short time later, the couple tied the knot and blended their family together. This seems like, you know, a, a second chance, you know, at happiness, which is great. The antique store was thriving and seemed to be, seemed to actually get better with when when Angie came along, she looked and she was like, you know, you just got everything thrown around here. You've you've kind of just got all these all this product just sort of sitting on shelves. And she organized everything in such a way, almost staging the items, and it it was just more appealing as you walk in, and it helped. It really helped the the sales, you know, because she she got that, you know, which I I, I think that's. It's kind of neat if you think about it. That presentation makes a difference. All, all about presentation. Yeah, absolutely. And that was something that she got that he just didn't didn't really had never considered doing. So things were challenging, you know, with a blended family of seven children, but the couple found a way to overcome the obstacles together. From an outsider's perspective, the Sawyers appeared to have a thriving marriage, but unfortunately, not everyone was content. So in the mid to late 2010s, Angel suffered injuries from a car accident. And she was uh, prescribed physical therapy, you know, as part of her treatment regimen, getting better. And during her 
physical therapy appointments, she met, of course, this her physical therapist. His, his name was Isaac Melcher. He was 38 years old. He was married, father of three, and was not at, at all opposed to the flirting that Angel was, was doing. And they did develop a physical relationship after a short amount of time. Angel and Isaac decided to continue to see each other in secret, but they dreamed of the day when they wouldn't have to communicate through encrypted Facebook messages. So, you know, you and I were talking about this before the show started, and I am telling you the number of these stories that I've done, and this is only healthcare people. It is horrifying to me, the number of people who get into these situations and their answer to this is something so incredibly horrible and tragic and that you would just be willing to ruin so many people's lives, you know? It's crazy. It's crazy Mm -hmm. that like, this is the answer. This, you know, what these extreme answers are the answer to, to the problem. And you're like, there's, there's so many different ways you could have handled this. Yeah. Well, Angel started talking to Isaac about her relationship with her husband, Milton, and she would say things like, oh, he's jealous, he's controlling, verbally abusive. She said he, you know, he takes my cell phone and basically just trying to control her every move. I would think that, you know, if someone is in a, a secret relationship and they are on their cell phone a lot, in in situations like I wouldn't be surprised that if their significant other or their spouse would start take their phone and start looking through it like what's going on suspicious yeah 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 Yeah. who are you talking to all the time like and why are you being so secretive and and all that like that's not that shocking um so the thing is like it's one thing to be controlling and trust me I've done those stories there's plenty of those too where someone is is just completely unhealthily controlling of another person that is not okay but then there's the other other side of the coin where someone is being secretive and they are having an affair and that their spouse is wanting to know what's going on and they're trying to investigate and looking through your phone and doing you know it's so toxic it's so sad and tragic really you know the people would have to, to go through you know situations like this it makes me sad i i love my husband so much we've been married for i don't even remember how many years now <laughs> i always have to count it's terrible oh, i'm just like wait a minute see. it's like it's like somewhere between 25 and 30 i know that when i do these stories about couples it makes me so thankful that i have the relationship that i have with my husband because after all these years i just love him so much and i know how much he loves me and i want everybody to have that that's just it makes me sad Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell you, it's, I, yeah, uh, finding the right relationship is such a cool thing. Well, unfortunately, on August the 2nd in 2018, police were called by Angel and Milton's neighbor. Angel was hysterical. She was like, had blood all over her, ran to her neighbor's house, and the neighbor called 911. She said, someone broke into our home. And then when police arrived, they found Milton tied up face down in the bathroom, unresponsive. He would eventually be pronounced dead. They were unable to revive him. And initially, 
They suspected that he died of positional asphyxiation because he was a rather large man. So having his hands tied by, I think it was duct tape, like, you know, secured behind his back and then being face down, that's a reasonable conclusion. They, because of his body habitus, they weren't able to really see a lot around his throat and they didn't see any other reason why he would have died. And so it's, I feel like it's something that a lot of people don't understand how Mm -hmm. easy it is for someone to die in this situation. Oh, you know, and this is, uh, if you've ever heard the conversations on the news about about somebody who's been hogtied by the police, they, you know, they'll use the term hogtied or yeah. not able to breathe, right? By yeah. by the by the either the police being on top of their chest or or the the person's full body weight being on their chest. They've been talking about this since I was an EMT years years before. That if you put somebody face down and put any kind of pressure on their body. That chest can't fully expand and get that lung, get those lungs filled with air, and and you know they'll sit there and say I can't breathe, I can't breathe, and and you know people will be like ah you're breathing fine, I can hear you talking, I can hear you screaming, and and it very may well very well maybe that last breath coming out, but they can't get the air back in and fill those lungs with the air, and that's how they end up hypoxic, and it's such a it it's happen you, know, you you see it every few years it happens in the media you hear about someone being either hogtied or or you know held down and then found unable to breathe i know and it's it's sad you know stop and think about this for a minute for the the stories that do end up making it to the media how many people die in this situation that no one knows Never. about Yep. They got covered up. Yeah. I've heard of healthcare stories where, you know, healthcare workers would be holding somebody down, holding somebody down who's combative or holding them down against their will. And and again, cause that traumatic asphyxiation by just simply having their body weight on the person with the with them face down or in a in an awkward position. It's unfortunate that it it, it does take as many lives as it does. And it seems to be something that we don't think about and we don't talk about. But you know, certainly something that that has get you know gains attention every now and then. Well, I, I think we need to be talking about it more, and I think people need to take it very seriously. So many times, as a nurse working at the bedside, I have heard way too many people, whether it's respiratory therapists or nurses, they, and they'll say things like, it, it, "Because if a patient says oh, I can't breathe, I can't breathe," which you will hear patients say that I can't breathe. Yep. They're talking, and they're maybe even their oxygen, like. Their O2 sat is saying, you know, is above 90. And they're yeah. saying, I can't breathe. And the and you'll I will hear nurses or respiratory therapists or other people, whoever, healthcare provi- healthcare, you know, professionals that will say, if you're talking, you're breathing. You're breathing. You yeah. you can't talk, you can't talk and, and and not be breathing. That is not true. That is just not true. And I want to, to do everything I possibly can every time I every chance I get to talk about that. On this podcast, I will, because please do not think that is true. Someone can absolutely be in just respiratory distress and respiratory crisis and absolutely respiratory failure mm-hmm. and still yep. be talking to you. And they are yep. on the brink yeah, of complete collapse. They're they're talking until they're not. And then when suddenly they're not and you're going, holy cow, this person That's really a rest. Is- 
unresponsive. Now they're in arrest. Yeah, right. Now they're in now, arrest. Once they go into arrest, now you are in a situation where they could absolutely die and you are, everybody's scrambling around and you, you don't want to get to that point. Once, yeah. if somebody says, I can't breathe, listen to them. Yeah. Do take something. It, take always, oh, that's one of those things that if someone says they can't breathe, always take it seriously. Always take Please, it as, yeah. as, as fact. So. Yeah. Don't, you know, I, I get it. I understand how difficult it is. I trust me, I've taken care of plenty of people, enough people to know how hard it is to take care of people in the hospital. And what a lot of times what healthcare professionals want to say is, oh, they're just being a drama, drama queen, or they're, they're just being dramatic, or, you know, they're just working themselves up and all of those things. But and sometimes it is anxiety. That is sometimes that is the case, but someone can tr- be in true respiratory distress and respiratory crisis and respiratory failure and still talking to you. Please understand that. It's 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 like the pain thing, right? Where we say pain is whatever the patient says the pain is. Yes. If they're saying Perfect they can't example. breathe, if they're saying they can't breathe, assume they can't breathe. Yeah. Make that if full assumption. If they say assumption. they're in pain. Yeah. Make that full assumption and, and do whatever you can to help relieve that in any way you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Same thing with pain. If somebody says they're in pain, then you have to assess them. You can't give them so much pain medication that you are going to depress their respiratory rate. I, I, I get it. People are like, well, I can't just keep giving them, but you can still have empathy for them. You can try other measures to try to help get, get them comfortable and Ultimately, if they have pain medication ordered and it's a reason, it's a reasonable thing to give them the pain medication, you give them the pain medication. You don't yeah. have to get your feelings and emotions and judgment, all that stuff caught up in the middle of it, you know? Yep. It's it's we're human beings. It's so easy to do. That'll just cloud your judgment and allow bad things to happen to the patient and potentially you. Yeah. Yeah. And I know there's people people listening, there's probably gonna come and give me a one star review and be like, You have no idea. I'm like, okay, whatever. I get it. I I totally understand. When I say these things, I'm not saying that it ha- I'm not challenged by it. I am not I'm saying a, that. I'm a career ER nurse and and I'll tell you there's if I had a nickel for every time someone tells me they can't breathe, and a lot of times they can't. And sometimes it's yeah. it's a matter of, you know, maybe an anxiety kind of thing, and, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. You can walk them through that too. But always, whenever a patient says that, take them at their word. You have to assess. Assess, listen to their lungs, li- you know, check their O2 sat, listen, you know, do what you can to calm them down. If it is anxiety, whatever yep. you need to do, report it. Report yep. it to the provider that is above you that just say, I'm just telling you right now, like the O2 sat looks fine. And, and, you know, I listened to the lungs didn't hear anything, but they're saying they can't breathe. They're telling me that they can't breathe. Just do whatever you have to do as your job to, you know, to, as a professional, do your job the way you're supposed to and treat everyone the same. That's all I'm saying. One of the things I, I find as a healthcare provider is that we have so much bias going into every patient interaction and if you try to give the patient as clean a slate as possible, that's that's the best thing. Absolutely. Not e- not easy to do, but just like try to reset. <laughs> you know, you're going to slip up, you're going to you're human, but For just sure. try to try to reset, do your best. Just do your best, put your best foot forward. Check yourself, you know, as you're driving home and just think, mm, I could have done that better today," you know, and just 100%. do better next time.
We all know that when we're taking any medication or supplement, dosage matters, and it's important to take enough to get the desired result. For example, only taking a 10 milligram Tylenol might not help with your headache. Well, the same is true for CBD. If you try a low dose CBD product, you may not feel anything, but it's not the CBD's fault. The dosage is the problem. This is why CBD Stat only makes high dose CBD products that actually work. And now their products are getting even stronger. CBD Stat is happy to announce that they're launching a new extra strength version of its highly popular topical products that have 7,500 milligrams of CBD. This new strength will by far maintain CBD Stat's status as the most powerful CBD product line on the market. More CBD means it's more effective in helping everyone tackle daily aches and pains. CBD Stat sent me a box of these new products and I already knew it was going to work because I've been using it for my neck pain and foot pain, but I can definitely tell a difference in this new strength and I'm really excited to get to tell you guys about it. And on top of these new higher strength products, they're also dropping prices across the board on all their products to make CBD Stat not only the most effective on the market, but also the most affordable. And don't forget, all you healthcare workers out there get a special additional discount to help keep you strong. Just head to cbdstat.care forward slash healthcare and find your new secret weapon. That's cbdstat.care forward slash healthcare. Upon further investigation, the coroner actually found strangulation marks around Milton's neck and petechial hemorrhaging around his eyes, which we've all learned. We all know this, right? We're all experts. We've joking. Right, because we've watched forensic files and CSI and Law and Order and all those things. We know that is sign uh, a sign of uh, manual strangulation. So Isaac, which is the our physical therapist, told police officers, you know, because they start looking into the situation and they're at fir- once they realize, oh wait, there are strangulation marks. This is a, definitely a manual strangulation. What's going on? They start looking into her personal life. They f- start tracing everything back. And there are these Facebook messages, and they find out about this person named Isaac. And Isaac says that he received a, a notice that day on Facebook that a new device, such as like an iPhone or iPad, something like that, had been used to a- access their secret messaging service. So you know how you'll get that, like, hey, a new device. Well, he was concerned. This is his story. Okay. He was concerned that Milton had discovered the affair. And he was afraid for Angel's safety. So he decided to go over there to ensure that Angel was okay. This is what he says. He knew where the key was hidden. And this is interesting, Kevin. This is how they hid their key. I I can't decide if this is complete genius or just craziness. But they had a table on their back porch that was basically had this mosaic, like multicolored mosaic tile sort of top to it. And they painted the key uh, like to match like the mosaic. And so if you lay the key down, you would never see it if you didn't know it was there. You didn't know to like feel for it, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> they literally had the key to their house just laying out on the just table. Just laying out. What it- it's crazy. And I think that there was some, sus- maybe some people suspected that he had used this key in the past, but he knew where the key was and he used that key to enter the home. And according to him, of course, it's always there's multiple sides of these stories. But according to him, he got in there and he Angel was was surprised. And she reportedly she says that she did not know why Isaac was there. He was dressed in dark clothing and he hit her on the temple with a gun, with his gun. 
and then proceeded to bind Milton with restraints before he then strangled him. To her, you know, she's saying, oh, yeah, he came in and I, my thing is like, if you're going to dress all in black, and you're going to like disguise yourself, why would you do it to where you're, she would recognize you? Because clearly, why are you even bothering if you know you're going to kill the person? I don't know. That's a little weird. That's, that's a little odd to me. Police initially believed that the crime scene was a home invasion. They did. They were kind of leaning in that direction that had gone wrong based on the physical evidence, you know, the struggle, her accounts of the events. She claimed, of course, that her, she and her husband were targeted for owning the treasure hunter. Initially, you know, she's like, yeah, I think, you know, maybe we've got our store and people probably just followed us home. And she said that they did demand money from them before assaulting them. So... Once, though, they figured out that there was this affair going on between the two of them, they're, they're, they're obviously, you know, okay, yeah, we've got nah. strangulation marks, you got an affair. Mm-mm. Now we're going to start looking a little closer. Yeah, not buying it. So police began, obviously, doubting this, this idea of the home invasion. And Isaac vehemently denied this relationship at first, even though he was separated from his wife, he, he, he did separate from his wife. He's, he tried to deny that they were having an affair and they were like, okay, well, give me your cell phone. And he's just like, suddenly it's, it, 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 it's truly amazing. The number of times that this happens, it's the, like the biggest coincidence in the whole history of earth that when someone has done it, when someone is under suspicion for doing something heinous, their their cell phone seems to just go missing. I I can't True. imagine the misfortune. How can it's, people be so unlucky? <laughs> if they only had their phone, they could just prove, like, here, look at yeah. my phone. But yeah. darn it, I dropped it in the toilet. Yeah, it, it just <laughs> it, I, it disappeared last night. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. The timing's incredible. So just that very, very night, I mean, literally the night of the home invasion, he damaged his phone by, you know, dropping it in water. And so he had to go to Walmart to buy a burner phone, like a, you know, like a, just a replacement phone, just guess to sort of temporarily have something to use. So authorities soon learned that Isaac had suddenly left for Oregon to visit his mother only for it to be in their favor, because when he got there, he, you know, ever hear like these investigators say that whenever someone's done something bad, they want to offload it. They want to tell somebody. They have to tell somebody. They can't not talk about it. I think that's true. How many times do you hear people say, like, you tell, tell you stories and you're like, why are you telling me this? I know. Please don't tell me. I don't want to be the person to know <laughs> this right. deep, dark secret that you have. Right? I can't be this person because I'm the person that'll be just be like talking and say something yeah. and be like, wait, was I right. supposed oh. to keep that as a secret? As I'm just not, I don't know. I like, I'm just, I don't think in that way, I guess. My mind just doesn't work like that. Yep. So goodness, please just don't, I don't want to be responsible for your secrets. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. But he had this, like, somebody that he had been friends with for a long, long time, and he figures it's another state. I can go to him and just tell him everything I did, just bare my soul to this person. And what ends up happening is that person who may have been a friend to him looks at You can just imagine him looking at him going, I cannot believe you are telling me this, and I uh, cannot... 
you know, my integrity, my scruples cannot allow me to just let this happen and not tell someone. So he goes into the police and says, I had a friend that told me that this happened and I felt like you should know about it. I don't know. People are crazy. I, I just, I'll never. <laughs> There's an old quote from, I think, it, I think it's attributed to Ben Franklin. I don't know if it's really him or not, but it says three can keep a secret if two of them are dead. And <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is undefeated, right? The truth always comes out. Yeah. So on August 21st in 2018, Angel and Isaac were arrested for charges relating to Milton's death. They were charged with conspiracy as well as first degree murder with the former facing an added count of possession of a weapon during the commission of a felony, because, of course, he brought a gun with him. He hit her in the head with it. And so on, on, on September 20th in 2021, Angel was found guilty of first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder. She was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Isaac was able to take a plea deal for testifying against her, and he's serving a 20- to 25-year term for a single count of second-degree murder. His projected release date is August 16th of 2038. And think about this. What he did, what did he have to gain from doing this? An ongoing relationship with her. Was he really that convinced that Milton was going to literally kill her if if she left? I mean, my mind is just blown. I don't understand it because it makes no sense. I mean, divorce is a lot cheaper than a life sentence. <laughs> Really, what I don't get about this is either Angel was really just an amazing actor, because by all accounts of of his family and the people around him, he was just a very you know kind and there's no really in in all of the people's minds around him. There's no way that he would have done anything have to hurt her. That abusive guy. Yeah. And she didn't even really accuse him of anything that heinous or, you know, being abusive, really. Yeah. Just that he was jealous. When, when apparently jealous he had some, and controlling. He, apparently he had something to be jealous about. So Exactly. Right? It's so crazy. It's hard. To, I, how do you leap from, you've already been divorced. Everybody in this whole situation has, has been divorced. I mean, clearly this guy is leaving his wife and children. He already had done, he had separated from her. So what is the point? I don't get it. I don't understand. There was not like a large life insurance policy. The whole thing is just inexplicable. It's so hard. And it's really hard when you watch these stories because I go and, you know, watch like any videos I can find and just read articles and just try to, you know, kind of familiarize myself. And by the time you do that, you feel like you kind of have a really good sense of the person and their family and the and when their families, you know, are so devastated, it's just hard to watch. And just you just want to make sense of it. And there is no making sense of the situation. Yeah. There's just not. Yeah. I, mean, I really don't get it. Yeah, whenever I see these true crime things, I'm like going, there's a million different... It's like, it's like driving down the freeway and there's a million different ways you can get off this freeway, but you chose to go all the way through the worst way possible. I yeah. It, it does, just doesn't make sense to me. No. It is absolutely inexplicable, and I'm really sorry for, um, obviously, for Milton and for his family. I am sorry for this, you know, the Isaac, this physical therapist who somehow got sucked into this world and decided that the answer to this problem was to, was to kill this kill woman's somebody. husband. Yeah. 
it's hard crazy. to understand. I'll never, I'll never, I don't care how many of these I've been doing this. Now I just, just passed my five year anniversary. Holy cow. I've been doing this for five years now, week in, week out. And I have, I still am flabbergasted by these stories. I don't get it. Just don't it get doesn't it. make sense. Doesn't make sense. So I have to tell you guys about an experience I had with a nursing student. So, you know, I've been doing travel nursing. Well, this hospital where I'm at has a lot of LPN students doing their clinicals there. So one of them was following me around one day and she noticed my stethoscope. And of course, y'all know the Echo Technology Company that sponsors our podcast. They teamed up with Littman to make the stethoscopes, to beat all stethoscopes, the 3M Littman Core Digital Stethoscope. And this is the one that I use now. So she said, oh my gosh, I've been wanting to try one of those. So of course I let her use it. And she just could not stop talking about it for the rest of the shift. It was so cute. She was like, you know I can't hear anything with my normal stethoscope because I have tinnitus. And so she was so excited because she could actually hear what heart sounds were supposed to sound like. She said, I'm going to ask for one of these for graduation. And I was like, yeah, you definitely should. So just so you know, the echo technology that makes the stethoscope so amazing. Uh, you can enable it with a flip of a switch. You can turn it on and off. It has active noise cancellation up to 40 times amplification wireless auscultation using Bluetooth technology. It connects with Echo's free app and software so that you can visualize, record, share, live stream, analyze heart sounds, lung sounds, and whatever body sounds you want to listen to. So you can go to echohealth.com and use the promo code GNBN to get $50 off your order. And that's Echo is spelled E-K-O, by the way. So it's echohealth.com and use the GNBN promo code to get $50 off your order. I also wanted to remind you that if you're interested in travel nursing, to go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile so you can see what kind of jobs are out there. And you can also see what they pay, the stipend, the hourly rate, all of that. I'm a travel nurse now with Trusted Health, and I absolutely love working for them. So go to trustedhealth.com, be sure and put forward slash good nurse so that they'll know that we sent you there and fill out a profile today. That brings us kind of into our good nurse story. And I told you guys, it's it's a heartwarming, just what really gets me about the story is it really highlights the type of nurse that I just love to work with because you just know their heart and soul is just in it. They love what they do. Nurse uh, Nursing is who they are at their core. And that means yep. that they just want to, they want to help people. They want to be there for people. So this story is, oh, you guys are going to love this. So this is from CNN.com. Uh, and the title is Nurse Goes Beyond Duty and Rescues a Hospitalized Patient's Dog from the Shelter. So incredibly sweet. And the picture, oh my goodness, the picture of this patient holding his dog and the nurse standing there beside them. It just makes me, it makes me so happy and so proud of her. It says it was right after Thanksgiving that registered nurse Jennifer Smith got an early morning phone call from John Burley, one of her favorite patients. He was distraught about his beloved dog, Boomer. She said, I came into work the Monday after Thanksgiving to the phone ringing at 7 a.m. John was calling from his hospital room saying, Boomer is in the pound. Boomer is in the pound. And Boomer is John's world. That's his, you know, baby. So Nurse Smith, who's been a nurse for 12 years, said she could tell he was concerned and also scared about what would happen to him. I don't blame him because, man, even if they're like supposed to wait a week, I've heard horror stories of people, their dogs, like being, it just, just get out of the house and then they got picked up and then they euthanized them like 
right away for some reason. It's scary, really scary. She said, he took a breath and asked me, will you take care of Boomer? She said, of course, John, I will find Boomer and take care of him for you. Smith had met Burley at the Grand Rehabilitation and Nursing Center in Rome, New York, through its adult day health care program, which is for patients requiring supervision and which allows them to socialize with others while receiving medical care. The 60-year-old still had his own apartment where he lived alone with his little mutt. Burley had adopted the 12-year-old dog in Arkansas when he was a puppy and later moved to New York. Most of his family still lives in Arkansas, so when he was hospitalized for pneumonia and lung problems, he had no one to take care of his dog. So this nurse stepped up. She says that she formed a relationship with Burley in the adult daycare program, and he would often talk about Boomer showing off pictures. This, I, this just, I, this has happened to me so many times, Kevin. Like we're doc, we're you know, the patients are in the hospital, and they're so sad to be away from their their little furry mm-hmm. friends, and they show yep. you pictures. On, you know, I love it. I always love it all the time. It. All the time. So many times I've seen patients in the emergency department that. Their biggest concern is they're like, well, you know, when they find out they're going to get admitted, they're like, well, who's going to look after my dog? And I've I've seen people leave against medical advice just because they didn't have somebody to go take care of their dog. I I get it. Pets can become your world. Uh, Me and my wife have been pet owners in the past, and and that that was my wife's baby. Yes, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. I, I can't even imagine. It's one thing, like, if the if your dog got adopted to another family, but... I, it could get euthanized in some, depending on if it's a, yep. you know, a shelter that does that. And I've just read some really, really awful stories, you know, of things like that. She said that she didn't know which shelter Boomer was in, and she immediately started looking up nearby animal shelters, and she called the Rome Humane Society. She discovered that's where he was. She said, I was a little panicked because I didn't know how long he had been in the shelter or if he had already been adopted to another family. It's, it's Christmas time. You know, that's when people tend to go looking for for pets. So she said, I told John, I have a 13 year old dog myself, who I've had since a puppy. So I fully understand the panic. It made my heart sad for him and Boomer. She took an early lunch the next day and drove to the shelter where she found 18 pound Boomer in a large cage in the back. And she said, Okay, where are the adoption papers? I'm going to take him home. Although he wasn't quite ready to be released from the shelter, she immediately called Burley to let him know she found him he was okay. And she would be bringing him home soon. And then a short while later, Boomer was all set up at Smith's house, making friends with her dog. And she said, I know, isn't this precious? I love these stories. I just love it. It says, one less worry that John has, and he needs to focus on getting better and taking care of himself and know that Boomer is in good hands. So Burley's now temporarily living in the rehabilitation wing of the center. It's uncertain where he'll live after he's released, but while he's Still there, Smith is able to bring Boomer into work with her. She takes him up to Burley's room a couple of times a day. It helps John with the healing process and gives him peace of mind. Other residents love him too, love Boomer too. She says that Burley's proud to show off Boomer as he rides on his lap in the wheelchair. They smile and pet him. Isn't this just precious? I love these stories. This is the kind of story I love so much. Oh, what a great story. Holy cow! It's that that little act of kindness can be means so much to the patient. Yeah. Well, think about all of the the people really that are impacted because I'm sure this nurse probably is just thinking, well, it's not that big of a deal, you know. I I can just go to the shelter and 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 do this for him. And but really, think about the 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 
the butterfly effect that that has, the, the, the heartwarming effect that it has on people once that one person is affected and then it spreads, this story spreads, the act, this act of kindness and people hear that and it, it may inspire someone else to do something like that. I believe in bringing pets into, into hospitals for people because I, I know a lot of people are just like, you can't be bringing pets into hospitals, you know, which certain floors, absolutely, I get, you would not be wanting to do that. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, yeah, there, I think there's a time and place for everything. And like, you know, we have pet therapy dogs who will come to the, to the different hospitals and, mm-hmm. and it, what an amazing, like, I think it does as much for the staff as it does for the patients. It does. Like the staff just light up when there's a pet therapy dog there. There was one called Guinness at UT that they would bring in a big old golden retriever. We would just, I mean, this is terrible nurses who are germaphobes and, you know, can't, just like washing our hands constantly, but we would get down in the floor at the nurse's station and just love all over. Like, it just does not matter. It's the most therapeutic thing in the whole entire world. It's precious. 100%. What a great story. I know. I love it. That's why I love doing it this way, where we kind of end on this good note, kind of bring us out of all that darkness and ugliness that exists in our world absolutely but um so proud of her that nurse and happy for her patient he's lucky to have her taking care all of her patients are lucky having her someone that's that empathetic and willing to go the extra mile i appreciate her i really do especially (laughs) the state that healthcare is in right now nurses who are willing to be in the trenches working at the bedside doing the hard job that that they have to do Man, I appreciate you guys so much. You just and, have no and just and just going that extra mile and just being a good human, like what? That's amazing. Well, I guess that wraps it up for another episode of Gunners Bad Nurse. Kevin, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast, and it's always great to catch up with you. And I look forward to doing it again soon. Yes, absolutely. We'll have to have you back on and and talk about your news. Um, Remind everybody where they can find you and your podcast and what your podcast is called and all of that. I have two podcasts. I have one called The Art of Emergency Nursing, where we tell emergency nurse stories. So if you're an ER nurse and and like to hear about other ER nurses, this is a great great podcast for you. That's my main podcast. And I have another podcast called How Not to Kill Your Patient. And that one is a more that one's a more clinical where we talk more about clinical and the the initial assessment and a lot a lot around triage and making sure that you can keep your patient alive. So it's much more clinically focused. And they can find you anywhere you they anywhere you can find podcasts. Anywhere you find podcasts, you can find both those podcasts. Love to to have you along for a ride. So and you can find me on social media under Art of Emergency Nursing on Instagram, Facebook, all the socials. Wonderful. And of course, you guys know you can email me. I love hearing from you at Tina at goodnursebadnurse.com. And you can find me on social media at goodnursebadnurse. And of course, we have our website at goodnursebadnurse.com. And of course, can't leave without reminding you guys that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, be a good nurse and a good physical therapist and just a good person. How about that in general? <laughs> <laughs>